Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. If last week was a little light in the movie department, we're making up for it this week. Much more busy. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And we're from madwolf.com. A lot to get to, some good stuff as well. And we'll start right at the top with the latest from director Christopher Nolan. Allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire, and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in World War II. It's Dunkirk. The enemy tanks have stopped. Why? Why waste precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel? There are 400,000 men on this beach. Where are we going? Dunkirk. There's no hiding from this sun. We have a job to do. So if you are a big fan of Christopher Nolan films, and we are, yeah, uh, you should be prepared that this is not like any Christopher Nolan film. Yeah, I'll admit, well, as you said, we both are fans, but so far in his career, he brings a certain amount of expectation. And when we saw... We were interested in this movie, mm-hmm. but we thought a few things. We thought three hours long. We did, we assumed. <laughs> you know? And, and we thought maybe a little bombastic. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, but again, he's, he's done these things. Those may be calling cards of his work, but it's still been good. But you're right. This is usually, different. usually, usually we differ on a little bit of that. Right. But uh, you're right. This is different, but it's so good. It's great. It's great, but it's it's very spare, especially for a Christopher Nolan film. First, it's barely over 90 minutes. He really uses a score. It's a subdued score, but it's Hans Zimmer, and, and almost all of it just sounds like this constant ticking time bomb, which just fills you with dread. And he tells a story of this evacuation of 400,000 troops. A true um, story. A true story. Right. From three different points of view, the air, the sea, which is this really beautiful story about British just people, just just citizens coming on their, you know, pleasure boats, pleasure boats yeah. to try to to try to save these. Yeah, they boys. put out the call. They do. So these these civilians, uh, one of them played by Mark Rylance, who's always great. Yeah, took to the boats, took mm-hmm. to the seas, and went to help. And then the third point of view is from the ground, from the, the uh, primarily one of the soldiers who's who's there. And, he, and it's told in, in a disjointed chronology. The soldiers been there for a week, the boaters coming in for a day, and then it's just an hour with the RAF, but they're, they're kind of interspersed in an interesting way. It's very, we were talking about as we left the theater, yeah. it's like simultaneously very grand and very intimate. Yeah, it's funny that we both thought that as we were, we were leaving the theater. It is. It's, it's grand in scope because I know, including our one of our theaters here in Columbus, Ohio, is showing it in 70 millimeters. And we're going to go. Holy moly. Yeah, we've already seen it once, yeah, and we're, but we we'll want to go again. It, exactly. Because the scope is so grand. But you're right. At the same time, it is intimate. You know, you get some of those shots in the air with, you said, the RAF, the Royal Air Force. Tom Hardy is the mm-hmm, main guy mm-hmm. there. Uh, again, working with something over his face. <laughs> it seems to like that. Christopher Nolan likes yeah. to cover Tom Hardy's face. Yeah, but, uh, but he's always good. And you can... He doesn't have a lot of dialogue. In fact, there's really not a lot of dialogue in this movie. There really isn't. Uh, It's more of the mission Mm -hmm. because there obviously was a mission to take care of, a very serious mission. 
but, and you know, and a very close and intimate look at what each group of people went through to accomplish this mission. Yeah. And it was on the boat, really beautifully carried out, and then on the ground with mostly unnamed actors. I mean, not very well-known actors, not your Mark Rylands or your Tom Hardy. Those boys did a great job. They and really did. so often... You know, he'll he'll pull wet back so you can just see the volume of humanity on yeah. that beach. But then all of them are scrambling to get in into one boat or another boat. And and those scenes are so claustrophobic where you have so many people cramped into this tiny metal hull that they're just hoping yeah. doesn't sink. Yeah, and it, we should mention one of the soldiers is played by Harry Styles from One Direction. Yeah. Who, uh, I don't know what his other forays into acting have been, but uh, how he got this part with Christopher Nolan, but he doesn't do a bad job at no, all. No, he does. There, There is not a bad performance in the lot, including no. Kenneth Branagh. Both of us think that he <laughs> tends to be a bit of a ham sandwich generally. Yeah, he Very really is. Very dialed down here. Uh, Kenneth Branagh is an officer uh, trying to help supervise, I guess, the evacuation uh, on the ground there in France. But yeah, he can overact with the best of them. Uh, in so many movies, he always seems like he forgot he's not on the stage. Yes. He's playing to the back row <laughs> as the master thespian. Uh, but you're right. He's dialed down, and he brings, you know, he brings a presence. He, he certainly does. does. He does. So you have to bring a lot of that back to the director. Well, in a movie like this, you have to bring almost everything yes, back to the director. Absolutely. And, and Christopher Nolan also wrote it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he gets almost all the credit here, and he deserves it. And it is a, it is a huge but precise Yes project and so impressive and i think it's it has to jump right into the top of of war movies when you're talking just war movies it's a great one you know what i think is funny about that i i, I hope that people remember it that way that well it, it is not a bombastic film it is not no it's, it's certainly not your hacksaw ridge or platoon or even save private brian which is a great film, but it's so violent and so bloody. And uh, and this is, uh, there's, there's violence here and there's death here, but it's never sentimental and it's it's never exploitative and it is never bombastic. It is very right. dialed down. And it's funny because I kept thinking to myself, this is a very British film. <laughs> it's a very, <laughs> just, you know, uh, what is it? And keep calm and carry on. That's yeah. really what this movie is yeah. about. Yeah, so uh, right away, it's one of, if not the best movie that we've seen so far this year. Agreed. Um, yeah, really great. Dunkirk. Highly recommend that. On the other end of the spectrum... A dark force threatens Alpha, a vast metropolis and home to species from a thousand planets. It is Valerian and the city of a thousand planets. Welcome to Alpha, the city of a thousand planets. Where for hundreds of years, every species has shared their knowledge and their intelligence with each other. It's paradise. After centuries of peace and prosperity, an unknown force wants to destroy all we have created. Agents Valerian and Laureline, you have less than 10 hours to find the threat and eliminate it. Let's get to work. Okay, you said on the other end of the spectrum, I'm guessing you mean it's bad. 
It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I did not have high expectations, but I tried to clear my mind and be open to the possibility this would be a good movie. It's based Big on. Of you. It's based on a series of comics from beginning in the the late '60s. That probably the most famous and beloved French comic series, Valerian and Laureline, and they're two sort of time jumping intergalactic soldiers. And in this particular story, one of the big cities in the the galaxy, which is home to cultures from every planet in the galaxy where they share information and blah, 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 and there's some sort of a threat there. And uh, and these guys have to go on this romping adventure and try to remedy the threat. And part of the problem is that the acting is terrible and the writing is terrible. What what I think is the p- possible solution to this is Luc Besson, who is the, he adapted the comics and he's the director, and he has a visual style, which is uh, often very, very campy and fun. And he tends to create these really, Wild and interesting um, environments, whether it's, you know, Leon the Professional, uh, La Femme Nikita, whether it's like criminal and earthbound or whether it's the fifth element and it's just wild antics in outer space, right? This one obviously much closer to the fifth element, but it's just, it's so miscast and it's so poorly written that it really, no matter what he does visually, he can't overcome it. Dane DeHaan, who I generally like, liked very much in Chronicle years ago, the first thing I saw him yeah. in. I have liked him in several films since then, but he's playing sort of the rascal ladies' man, you know. Oh, my God, he is so miscast in this. And then, forgive me, I do not know how to pronounce her name. Cara Delevingne. Good enough. Who played the, the super villain in Suicide Squad. Yes. You might remember her. She's got awesome eyebrows. <laughs> She cannot act, however. <laughs> I mean, Dane DeHaan, eh, he can, acting. right? Care, she cannot act. Mm. And, they, and, and, and they play sort of this, you know, odd couple sort of, you know, sparks flying, but are they flying? And, and, uh, and that's the thing. Couldn't be less chemistry. Couldn't be. Would be impossible to be less, less sexual chemistry with these two. But again, it's just one of a hundred things that are wrong with this movie. It looks great. It is way over two hours. I think it's like 17 hours longer. That's how it felt. <laughs> so you even get tired of the dazzling visuals eventually. The story is silly. The acting is, is terrible. The writing is god-awful. And it is a million years long. But if you're a big Rihanna fi- fan, she does play an intergalactic stripper. And she's, she's flexible. <laughs> so you may, that might be selling enough for you. And you know what's interesting? Week after week after week, we talk about these dazzling visuals that now it's gotten to the point where you got to bring more than exactly. that. Exactly. You know, that's what I was thinking when I was watching it. I'm like, this looks great. Not Baby Driver great. Not War of the Planet of the Apes great. Yeah. You know, it, you know, not Spider-Man Homecoming great. It just, you know, you do. You have to bring more than that now. Yeah, and this one certainly does not. Next up is a new comedy when four lifelong friends travel to New Orleans for the annual Essence Festival. Sisterhoods are rekindled in Girls Trip. We haven't hung in five years. I miss you guys. We need a girl's trip. If you are going to come along with us, please refrain from saying things like preach or go girl or any other colloquialisms that you may have looked up on Urban Dictionary. Girl, bye. That's my girl. Today is the last day that we will ever be this young. I have not had this much fun in so long. So this probably sounds familiar. Rough Night, which is more or less the same movie, came out a couple of weeks ago. But this is different in a, in a few ways. It's raunchier. And it doesn't try to dig much deeper. It's, and it's, and it's, uh, it's very much about, you know, four friends whose lives have led them apart. Sure. You know, and then this is really the flossy posse. That's who they were <laughs> when they were in college. And this is really a chance for them to realize that they need to continue to be that support system, that set of sisters. 
it's obvious, it's predictable. It's almost beat you about the head and neck predictable. Right. But they go places with the comedy that you, you'll laugh out loud. It's nasty, but you'll laugh <laughs> out loud. And also, these are things, very underwritten perform, um, roles, but the, the talent is there to really, they really flesh them out and make them feel like not just real characters, but, but characters who genuinely love each other. Jada Pickett-Smith in particular, who I'm not a giant fan. She's very good in this. Yeah, and also Tiffany Haddish, who, if you saw Keanu... Shut up! She Tiffany was, Haddish is a hoot in this she movie. She was the badass, you know, who ended up being an undercover cop. Yeah, but for a while, for most of the movie, she was that badass gang member. And yeah, she's totally different in this. And I'll be honest, I, when I saw the trailer, the trailer to me had almost nothing funny in it. All it did was just say, oh my, one of these, you know, predictable, trying to make a kind of a mini hangover type vibe thing. Sure, sure. Here we go again. But yeah, you're right, and I, you know me, I like I like the raunchy humor. I do. So maybe it's it's the fact that it was so raunchy they couldn't put it in the trailer. If, yeah. In which case, I tip my hat to you. <laughs> I don't know. The trailer got a little bit raunchy. <laughs> a little bit. As they go, and <laughs> Tiffany Haddish is a scream, a scream, and and really, I would have to say the main reason that this movie is as enjoyable as it is. I mean, she steals scenes, scene after scene after scene. And she's the one. She's just so wrong. She's just so wrong. <laughs> um, and it is. It's so predictable. It's so schmaltzy, which is unfortunate given how edgy the humor tends to be at times. But Regina Hall and Queen Latifah kind of fill out the foursome. You know, each of them having their own personal problems, but in particular, Regina Hall's character, who plays kind of an Oprah Winfrey style, yeah. you know, motivational coach that's just obviously a bit of a sham and, and things fall apart. And it is too long as well. It's at least 25 minutes too long, honestly. Boy. Um, and it would have been a, a, a very fun, entertaining if they could have gutted it, but but it still coasts by on some some unexpectedly raunchy humor and uh, the strength of the four leads. Yeah, and it's directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who's done The Best Man, and he did a Roll Bounce. Undercover Brother. Undercover Brother. So the movie has the really the markings of one of his movies, and uh, I think it's one where... Funnier than we thought it was going to yes. be. Yes. It's not a hangover. No. But it's a lot better than the, I thought, than at least I think the trailer led us to believe it was going to be. Yeah. Those are the big national releases this week. Also, two or three to talk about. Some limited release. They may be coming to your area. And some, including this first one, very good. Uh, the story of an arthritic Nova Scotia woman who works as a housekeeper while she hones her skills as an artist and eventually becomes a beloved figure in the community is called Maudie. It's the true story of artist Maude Lewis, and it stars Sally Hawkins. And let me tell you right now, that is the main reason to see this film. She is incredible in the role. She's in almost every scene. She fills every scene in this movie with just the sweetest of heartbreaks. And she's so, so good. I hope she gets remembered come awards time. I know that's it's not really that far off, but it seems that far off because there's so many more movies coming down the pike yes. to be eligible for awards. But, you know, Sally Hawkins is always good. Yes, she is. But this one, she is just phenomenal. And I, I can't recommend... I recommend the movie, but it's one of those where you think, how, how good would this movie sure. be if she's not in Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And uh, there are certainly some other good actors out there, but she carries this. Even when it starts to veer off, uh, her, she's, her husband is played by uh, Ethan Hawke, who has Who's also in, in Valerian, by the way. And he's been impressing me the last few years. I was not a fan. He has been coming up the last few years with some solid performances. Agreed. Here. Here's another one. A lot of small indies. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is in a lot of films. Well, he might want to continue that then because he's, <laughs> he's solid here. But the movie starts to wander when it, toward the, the second half, maybe the, the, the last third, becomes more of a 
by the numbers romance, focusing mm-hmm. on them as a couple instead of her and her struggle and what set her apart. So that is when I think it started to veer off course. Still, though, I think it is worth seeing. I recommend it, but mainly for the performance of Sally Hawkins. It's going to be the year, Sally Hawkins, because the Guillermo del Toro, the Shape of Water trailer yes. just dropped, and that's her all over the place. Cannot wait to yeah. see that movie. Well, I'll, I'm all for it then because she's great. Next up in limited release this week, a story set in the Middle Ages as a young servant flees his master and takes refuge at the convent at a convent full of emotionally unstable nuns. It's called The Little Hours, and this is one. You talk about trailers. I saw the trailer for this, and I was encouraged. I really what a was. cast! I know you've got you've got Aubrey Plaza, who's a producer on this, by the way. Dave Franco, John C. Riley, Allison Brie. And a bu- uh, Nick, Offerman. Nick Offerman. And then you've got a bunch of faces that you may recognize. Molly Shannon. Sure. And some, some other Arbison. faces you recognize as solid comedy players. So a good ensemble. And it's actually, it's weird. It's a, it's a send-up of one of the tales from the Decameron, which is a 14th century Italian <laughs> classic novel. You know? It's an interesting thing it to is. send up. And, and let me tell you, this thing is just desert dry in its comedy <laughs> i mean it, what it is because it is it's the story it's this one story of dave franco is this servant on the run for his life from his master who wants him who wants him killed and he, he does he finds refuge at this convent where he has to play a, a deaf mute so that they'll let him let him stay and the nuns the 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 women there of course just start jumping his bones right away because it's a raunchy comedy because it's a raunchy comedy it is <laughs> but again it's so so dry that some of the gags are screamingly funny, and some just sit there, and it takes a special sort of sense of humor to really get them. But I, I give them credit. They're committed to it all the way through. Just so, so dry. It's like, it's like that scene in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail where I think it's Michael Palin who shows up in that, in that it's like a little convent full of, and they're all just, woo, yeah, you know, yeah, they're all just absolutely. all over it. You know, it's kind of the same way here, played out to a feature film. And actually, this movie kind of has a, a Monty Python vibe to it, except it never gets silly. Mm-hmm. It's like the setup that just keeps it stone-faced in its comedy. And again, some of it works, some of it does it. But I also give credit because what it does do under the surface, it's kind of a sly comment on not only women, but specifically women's treatment in the church. Yeah, That's the undercurrent here. And I give them credit for doing that. But I'll tell you what, not everybody's sense of humor is going to find any of this funny. I found about <laughs> half of it funny. Uh, and some of it just, like I said, it just really sits there. It's so, so dry. And that's called The Little Hours. And finally, a film that's probably in the most limited release this week, although it is also straight to on-demand. It's available on-demand. It's a Wall Street broker forced to evade a police chief investigating a bank robbery as he attempts to recover the stolen money in exchange for his son's life. It's called First Kill. It was on our radar because it was filmed right here in our area. Uh, most of the filming was done in a, in a little town outside Columbus called Granville, Ohio, and then they did some some uh, extra scenes in uh, downtown Columbus. So that was on our radar and having the, the premiere here in town. But uh, Plus, it, you have a man crush on Bruce Willis. I'm a Bruce Willis fan. I am. And in this movie, Bruce plays Granville Sheriff Howell investigating the bank robbery. It's a B-movie thriller all the way. I mean, it's it's full of, of cliches, you know, the... Early on, as, uh, as Hayden Christensen, who is still struggling, comes back home to his Ohio town uh, to take his son on a hunting trip, that early foreshadowing of the hunter will become the prey sort of thing is pretty thick. Also, the contrivance is, is built up to a good degree to set this up. But once it gets going, the director is Stephen C. Miller. And if you look at his resume, he's done plenty of these B-movie thrillers, just cranks them out. 
especially in the last few years. So he, you know, once he gets rolling, he gets into a, a decent groove, and it's 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 not a bad ride. It's certainly not great, but as one of these B movie thrillers goes, uh, it's it's decent, and it's there's a young boy, the boy who plays the son. Uh, I think it's his big screen debut, and his name's Ty Shelton, and he's from Ohio, and he does a fine job. Nice, you know, his rapport with an actor who plays one of the kidnappers, a guy named Gethin Anthony, uh, when they have scenes together, is is really one of the film's highlights. So uh, it goes places that you will see coming, not a surprise, but it does a decently solid job in getting there, and that is First Kill out this week. Limited release and also on demand. So before we get to some of the big ones, the big, big releases on demand, we're going to talk about another one that's limited release and also available simultaneously on demand. This is an Aussie horror called Killing Ground. Yeah. It's a combination of a lot of obvious horror films' uh, ideas. It's campers in Australia, which strikes me as a bad idea no matter what. <laughs> uh, so it's a little bit Eden Lake, uh, and it's a, it's a little bit Wolf Creek. Uh, I know, which are both great movies. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little predictable, although there are two big... Uh, alterations that they make to the storyline that that really change things up and they leave some ambiguous ideas out there which I think will keep you talking um in the end the story is is probably too slight for this to be a classic but it's ab- especially if you're a horror fan absolutely worth the watch so killing ground we recommend also out on home video this week one that we had a lot of fun with Kong Skull Island this is just what you think it is you probably heard of it it's going back to Skull Island and they the gang not only meets a giant ape, but a lot of other monsters as well. Yes. And this one is almost, we talked about a B-movie vibe. Yeah. This one has kind of a B-movie vibe, but yet it's better than that. Oh, it's my just, God, yeah. It's it just, looks great. It looks great. It's just a lot of fun. The soundtrack is awesome. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's almost like another apocalypse effect. It's it's heavy apocalypse oh, now. Oh, very, very. We talk, when we talked last week, when we talked about War for the Planet of the Apes, I said how that one has a apocalypse now, especially a character sure. in Woody Harrelson. But this one has so many images that are almost straight out of oh, Apocalypse yeah, now. Very, very And the clear. soundtrack and everything. And John C. Riley is hilarious. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It's yeah, just a it is. fun, big popcorn muncher. So especially if you have a big, big screen or you got a friend who has one. Yeah, and they don't waste time with the monsters. They come right up in front. Here they are. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. Is that and, a monkey? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we enjoyed Kong Skull Island. Another one that we enjoyed that, boy, it seemed to sink pretty fast, unfortunately. Ben Wheatley's latest called Free Fire. And that was one where... I remember watching it, and and when as the movie was setting up, I think both of us kept thinking, "Okay, this is the setup. Where is it going?" And then we realized, "Nope, this is not the setup. Nope, we're never getting out of the movie. This is it. (laughs) This is it. It's one big standoff. It is. is. Just from the word go, you know. And it's fun, and it's funny how well they're able to develop characters given the the restrictions they've given. Because it's basically a shootout from about four minutes in. Yeah, in a big warehouse. Yep, they're just in a warehouse shooting at each other. It's funny. It's clever." We love Ben Wheatley. It's got a great, great cast. So if you missed it, and you probably did, that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, that's free fire. And then another one, and this is very likely under your radar, but it was a beautiful, lovely, very odd little film called Buster's Mall Heart. Yeah, this one was actually reviewed on our website, uh, madwolf.com, by one of our other writers, Kat McAlpine, and she just loved it. This was one of her favorite movies of the year so far and it's yeah it's going to be most likely under your radar but one definitely worth checking out and it stars Rummy Malik, who yeah. is on that show Mr. Robot and I know people love him and he always does a good job he's and in he the does, master yeah, he's oh, been yeah. in a lot of movies oh yeah. absolutely and, and he's going to play Freddie Mercury in the upcoming Queen biopic is he I've, I've just heard, got another green light just I've heard yesterday. Ho- so many actors <laughs> attached to that that uh, every time I hear that you know you think oh sure it's yeah, not next gonna it's going to be Danny DeVito I mean <laughs> I've heard but 
I hope he does. I yes. mean, I, I hope he does. I, I'd like to see that movie. But, but anyway. The, this is about sort of a, uh, you know, it's kind of an existential dread, sort of a man becomes a hermit. There's, it's, uh, it's an unusual film, but very, very, very good and worth checking out. And that's Buster's Mall Heart. So next week, hopefully, is a little less busy because I don't, I don't, I'm not lying. We've been busy this week. <laughs> <laughs> I know your your hearts are breaking for us. I right? know. It's busy a good kind of busy. Movies. It's a fun kind of busy. Next week, one we're looking forward to, Charlize Theron, Atomic Blonde. Woo! You might have heard so the excited. headlines this past week where your boy, Chris Hemsworth, has said that he thought the next James Bond should be Charlize Theron. We're down with that. Oh, absolutely. And maybe this is an audition. Can you imagine? Because not only, obviously, it would be the first female, it would be the first uh, non-Brit. Yeah. Also, the emoji movie. Can you make an entire movie out of emojis? And do we, we have to see it? We don't really use emojis. Uh, I never. I hate that. I've used the thumbs up. Yeah. Um, I, there's been occasions where I'd like to use the poop, but <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't got there yet. So maybe this will give us a reason. The emoji movie and then an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power. Obviously, a sequel to An Inconvenient Truth on Climate Change. So those are all coming out. So we should have some thoughts on that next week and until then you want to keep the conversation going we love it uh best way to get a hold of us is on twitter we are at mad wolf m-a-d-d-w-o-l-f or the facebook page you can always check out we're mad wolf columbus or the main website where you can check out all the written reviews of these movies and more that is madwolf.com so uh until next week the screening room podcast is a presentation of the columbus radio group and madwolf.com i'm george wolf i'm hope madden and this is the screening room podcast See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.